live? Yes. Of course. The boys back. The guys. You know what I'm saying? No disguise, no lies. First things we tell y'all every time is that the vulnerable are powerful. And the most gangster thing you could do is serve. And that this is the All The Way Live podcast. Back on track to smack y'all with this content, man. Come on, Zway. What they gonna get? Hey, man. Welcome to the All The Way Live podcast. It's your boy Zway. It's your boy Miles. You know what we do every weekend. We come through with this carefully curated content for your cranium. And what we what we exhibit, better yet, what we try and create is a space of positivity on this show, man. We're very determined to ensure that whether it's one people, 10 people, 10,000 people, or a million people, it don't matter to us. Everybody is absolutely welcome into this space over here where we take down some hot topics, we rec- we read, we review what people recommend and we recommend what people review, et cetera, et cetera, man. We just bring some hot, hot content and we're going to do that again this week. Man, I am so thankful to be back. I am so grateful to be in conversation with my brother and the people. I'm so just, man, just to have this space to be able to to pour into. I feel full. So I hope that I can share that with y'all in a way that, that fills y'all up. I hope we can give y'all a show, you know what I'm saying, that, that heals your head top. That's what we about over here. You know what's going on, man. I love saying this. Chicago is in the building. And yes, Joe Berg is in the building. You know what I'm saying? It's been yes, a since I've been able to, to not be able to give it to y'all like that. But Chicago's in the building. Joe Berg is in the building. On that side, brought to you by the illustrious Gallery Momo. You see the art in the background. You know what I'm saying? You see the foliage. You see my boy. You know what I'm saying? He's wearing cowboy chic right now. You know what I'm saying? It's the blue jean jacket, mad denim with the splotches. You know what I'm saying? Indiscriminate splotches. You know, he looked like he the leader of the band. <laughs> My brother is the leader of a band called Indiscriminate Splotches today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am over here in Chicago with your boy Miles Xavier, man, recording this podcast from Stolen Land. That's right, man. All the way live is recorded on Stolen Land. This land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, the Native Indigenous people to this land that cared for it before it was violently taken from them through colonialism, right? So we acknowledge that past and we lift up love for indigenous people the world over, anywhere that natives have been have their land taken from them forcibly. Mm-hmm. We lift up the names and the and the cultures that, that continue to survive and thrive and the cultures that have been lost to that stuff. And we, we acknowledge that that violence that's done to them is inseparable from the violence that we see in our cities today, our country today, and in our world today. So lifting up yeah. love for indigenous people, Native Americans, for black and brown people the world over. Intro over. What a show we about to get into, man. I'm I'm so excited. Brothers Way, where where you want to take us first, man? Hey, bro, listen, we we've been moving around. I think we've shot this show now in the last few weeks in two, three different countries. Three different cities, you know, so it definitely feels good to both of us be back in our stomping grounds and both of us being back uh, take at, at home, if you will. Uh, but you were just in Europe. You were just in Europe. And we've spoken about a little bit of your trip, but I don't think I think we wanted to save some of the the Europe experience for for the show. So how how is Europe? Yeah, Europe. Europe was amazing. And we wanted to save that that bit for the show so that we could fully acknowledge that the that the responsibility for the rhythm ruckus is on me, man. You know what I'm saying? I've been out here getting low, getting right. That's an important part of the process. We wanted to be able to continue to deliver y'all some amazing content during that, but through unforeseen circumstances, we weren't able to do that on the fly the way we wanted to. Growing pains, but I'm so happy to be back. And I feel so full, man. I feel I feel grateful. Mm. I feel, you know, I'm. As I told you, man, as we spoke about it, like the as soon as I as soon as I got back, I just had so much to pour. We even decided not to record that day, and it, because it takes a it's a transition period, man. When you come from, it's a blessing, first of all, to be able to go on vacation in these times, period. 
right? So I had planned it, got pushed back. I'm still waiting on reimbursement from flights. I've had my nose COVID swabbed every other day for the past 14 days, but the trip was able to happen. And so that's a blessing in itself. It's a blessing to be able to shell out the cash, not only for the flights, but for the COVID test. Traveling is a real, real, real luxury right now. And I'm just grateful to be in a position to, to, to spend that dough, to spend that time, to, to move my schedule around for the people that I love and care about. Uh, so it was an amazing trip, man, going to Europe for the first time. That was your first time? Yeah, man. Yeah. So initially, you know, the, you and I, the guys, have talked about many iterations of a of a trip to Europe, right? Like, mm. especially before Brexit, when it could have been, it was much easier to go between the mainland and the UK. So we had Spain, Amsterdam, we had all types of different destinations in mind. Uh, and, you know, as we've acknowledged also on the podcast, you're making your way to Exeter, making moves on through the online classes, just had your first week of school. We'll get into that. But there was a, there were many versions of this trip that had many different reasons and destinations. But what it ended up being was me going to hang out with my homegirl, Lalani. Y'all might have heard that name on the podcast a few times, supplying us with all types of, all types of dope topics and perspectives. Uh, but yeah, man, so it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful trip. Uh, I had somebody who was able to show me around uh, a little bit. Uh, one of the main things that I felt when I got to to the to London for the first time, I looked at all those buildings and I was like, man, colonialism was super, super lucrative. You know, it was super lucrative. It's hard not to look past all of all of that, all of that accumulated wealth and be able to think like, damn, or like think about where this wealth came from and how much had to be taken in order for this to look like what it does right now. Uh, that that was the first, like the first thought that I had when I got into London. Now you were in London, then you were in, uh, in Scotland. What was, you know, what was your initial reaction stepping into London for the first time as a city? So really, all I really saw was from the airport from Heathrow uh, to Chiswick, mm. which is relatively close. Uh, back to, to King's Cross. And King's Cross is very much what you're speaking about, man. It's this crazy building that just it, it, it echoes the architecture of that is that predates, you know, America, right? It predates the, mm. the countries that I've the country that I've grown up in. And like I've seen imitations of that architecture. But when you really see what has mm. been built in Europe, the spires, the the kind of uh it's hard to even describe, man, the graded kind of ceilings and rooftops. It's like, mm. it really does. It really does speak to a time before uh, everything that we, that we know is, is in terms of America. Another, another example of that, right. Is like, you don't see even, even chain businesses are molded into what the neighborhood looks like. Right. It's mo so, mm. Here, you drive around the streets in America and you immediately spot a McDonald's because of these golden arches. You immediately spot a white castle because it's this weird, tiny castle-looking building, you know? Across, going across in London, Edinburgh, all the different spaces that I was in, the commercialism is so much more bent to the, the aesthetic of the community, right? The aesthetic of, mm -hmm. the, of the architecture of the street. And it's and so it's it's really kind of peaceful in a way to kind of look out your window and see buildings first, architecture first, character of a community first before commercialism, before billboards and advertisements and stuff like that. So that was mm. dope. I mean, that's the big that's the big difference about the U.S. and anywhere else is that the culture in America is consumer culture. So consumer culture is just there is the options. Are, are massive and where you can buy things is usually the center and focal point of uh, communities, right? Be it a mall, be it uh, uh, whatever the case is. And even when you get into that, the options are just baffling, right? I mean, you can pick up such specific different types of things. So that's that's always been like the, the big dichotomy between the U.S. and, and the, 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 the its its partners across the pond is that that difference in that the u.s just takes consumerism to a whole new level that's the that is american culture is consumerism is undoubtedly american culture you find that in the holidays you find that in every single holiday in the u.s is geared around spending 
Every major holiday is geared around spending. Be it Fourth of July, you're buying fireworks. Be it Thanksgiving, you're buying a whole whatever. Halloween, you're buying. Christmas, I don't even want to talk about that. Thanksgiving is Black Friday. That is the day of buying, you know? And now the U.S. has even exported that uh, that culture now. You're seeing a lot of people adopting Black Friday. And it, it, it made no sense to me. I was like, how is South Africa celebrating Black Friday? What is Black Friday? Like, what do you guys, how does that even make sense? But now it's a global phenomenon, you know, uh, an American cultural export, if you will. Yeah. So it's, and, and those spaces exist, right? And, and, the UK as well. So going from King's Cross to Edinburgh, Lalani was staying in uh, Leith, Leith, which is kind of a more diverse area, uh, both like, I mean, as diverse as Scotland gets, right? But it was a, it was a, it was definitely not a, I couldn't call it a representative sample of, of the area. She purposely chose to live there because she, as a woman of color, felt more safe in that area. And that was a really cool transitioning area to be staying in for my first period in Europe, right? So that was really dope. Mm-hmm. But as we started to explore Edinburgh more, as we got to kind of the city centers, as we moved from London to London at the end of the trip, I definitely got to see a little bit more of that familiar commercialism but there's something else there's the old world aspect to it too the fact that some of these cities were designed before cars were the main form of transportation that was considered in the construction of cities right so you've got these winding roads and that that provide a different kind of angle to see a city from and are somehow more walkable than these giant grids that we've built in the united states right it was just chill man it was dope went to this Mm. vinyl shop got this vinyl man you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, nice. These boys are from Brixton. Check this out, man. Oh, uh, shut up. Vibe Central EP. I stopped by a vinyl record shop. The the owner was was gracious enough to give me this, you know, for my travels. We got into my job or whatever. Uh, she was, and we just had a great conversation. She she gifted me that. So uh, Blue oh, Lab wow. Beats, Vibe Central EP. I got to shout that out. Um, but I'm done taking up time with my travels, man. I done, I done goofed up the rhythm of the podcast. I done talked for 20 minutes about, you know, how amazing it was. I'm, I'm glad to be back here with y'all. Uh, I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to, to, to travel, to do so safely. Uh, but I'm also just conscious of like, man, what a blessing it is to be able to do that. And, and how unsure we are about the way forward in the world so sneak in the joy where you can get it you ain't got to travel to go get it either you know what i'm saying sneak in the joy where you can get it take time for yourself replenish refresh uh get right and thank you as my That's partner for allowing me to do that hey man listen it's it's important to be able to do that and so that for people that have never been to those places before that now they understand what you know what one can do in london you can go check out harry potter tours and whatever the case is it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing not to not to turn down the mood at all but over the time where we weren't recording we did actually have uh, we did actually have uh, the death of Michael K. Williams, right? Which is something that for us is uh, was a topic that we wanted to cover, right? For for a multitude of reasons. Mainly speaking, you know, with Michael K. Williams, we have been fans of his work for a very, very long time. You know, me and you personally, uh, loving The Wire, growing, you know, growing up on The Wire, actually, which is which is how a lot of it started, and then following the progression of his career into uh, into uh, a whole sorts of different, uh, a whole sorts of different movies and shows. Walking Dead uh, comes to my to my head. Uh, I, uh, he was also in um, I Think I Hate My Wife, which is actually a very funny showing uh, where he shows up in there. You know, this man's multi-talented, multifaceted. So for us, you know, we we don't want to be able to pay homage to to black talent, pay homage to somebody that we both care about significantly and um, shine a light and, and open up a conversation around it. Yeah, man. So first and foremost, bro, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. Uh, I was devastated, bro, to hear that news, man. He was 54, I believe, right? And that is too young, man, too young. Um, And it's always sad when somebody who has gone out of their way to 
portray characters that we can see ourselves in, you know, when we all have those forms of representation, you know, for us, Michael K. Williams meant something special to us as a black man, but I think everybody can relate to having that representation and, and how much it hurts when that's ripped away. And Michael K. Williams in particular, man, went out of his way to portray characters that represented communities that were marginalized, that don't often get a lot of light. Right. Mm -hmm. So everything from it wasn't normal to have a character that is as powerful, as strong, as as strong a focal point as Omar was on The Wire for them to be homosexual. Right. Especially in a black show and to show a community, give that character respect for things over for that character's code, for the way that they carried themselves, for their reputation over that homosexuality, I think was an important representation of the complexity of black community. And 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 mm. so that character to, uh, I mean, just being in some of the shows that, that have meant the most to me, When They See Us, his character's portrayal of the father and When They See Us was mm-hmm. heartbreaking, mm-hmm. heartbreakingly real, bro. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, man, to Lovecraft Country, he's the he's he's the father in that or the uncle in that. Does an amazing job, kind of bringing this, grounding this really surreal HBO like sci-fi show in blackness and in in a real Mm. experience uh, that's that's complex as well and complex family. So, man, yeah, he's also in Boardwalk Empire. He's in 12 Years a Slave. He's in Inherent yeah. Vice. He's in The Sopranos. Those are some of my favorite, like, those are my favorite Michael K. Williams movies and shows. Those are some of my favorite movies and shows, period. Like, period. Period. you know what I mean? So this was, this was, this was a real, real gem, like lightning rod of a person that we lost, man. And so uh, he received a few Emmy nods, some recognition for this for for some of his work in When They See Us, uh, another HBO show, The Night of, and Bessie and Lovecraft Country. So they were he was getting some of his flowers, but we need to lift it up even more because man, we lo- we we really lost one with him, man, for real. So rest in peace. Yeah, man. And whenever whenever there's grief and loss like this, it's awkward because you you never want to talk about the the particular. You never want to shine a light on the negative parts of, of, of things, right? The fact of how it was found, things of that nature. But at the same time, it's still important to, to note, like, yo, this taking drugs in this day and age is a, is a whole different thing. Man. There, there's, it, it brings me back to what I heard Juice World's manager say, where he said, listen, he, he was saying what he was doing was essentially just testing Juice World's drugs so that they can just make sure at least that they're clean because there is a real thing about fentanyl out here murdering people, man. That is such a real thing. So as, as us being young men who have uh, explored with, you know, as young men do uh, just explore with drug experiment experimentation and just trying a whole bunch of different life experiences and whatnot and understanding how a lot of other young men can find uh, young people or just people in general can find themselves in a place where the environment is open to them experimenting with things. It, it is it, to, to go about it ignorantly in this day and age seems like something that's extremely, extremely unadvisable, you know, but in order in order to shine a light better yet and open up a more brighter conversation, we decided that we we're going to be motivated by Omar's role in The Wire and break down what our top three, uh, what our top three gangster shows are. Yeah. Top three gangster shows. For sure, man. Just as a testament to, to his influence. And, you know, as we move into that, the last thing I'll, I'll just say is check on your strong friend, man. When when a black man is successful, a lot of people eat. So I'm sure to a lot of people, Michael K. Williams was the strong friend, was the rock, was the supporter, was the provider. So check on that person in your life because they're going through it too, man. So yeah. to lighten it up, man, and if y'all need some recommendations out there, pretty much everything that we're talking about, I think we can recommend and review. You know, if it's trash, we'll let you know. But I, I, I'm really into... These the the gangster the gangster show Michael K Williams has contributed a lot to that you know what I mean so first off I think it's undisputed that the wire is is the is the greatest one right do we have any contenders for the wire <sighs> look man 
it's I understand the why of being the greatest one, but I have to. I think I'd, I'd have to put. Excuse me. I'd have, have to put Breaking Bad on top of the wire. Uh. I'd have to put Breaking Bad on top of the wire. And that is just solely from a personal preference, not even a personal preference perspective. Is is The Wire a, a, a more nuanced show with a lot of characters? Damn, what's going what's on? It? It's pollen season in South Africa. It's no, you're allergic. allergic to that bullshit. Is what's um, so with <laughs> Mike Chiggity, Mike, my Mike, yo, it's going to be times, man. When the Wi-Fi breaks down and I get into the blues. No, I'm just fucking with Chinese. Listen, man, seems like my brother's having technical difficulties. I just want to reiterate how much I appreciate y'all, man. You know what I'm saying? Y'all y'all are dope. Y'all are fire, man. You know, for joining with us, for rocking with us. Uh, like, comment, subscribe if you can. You know what I'm saying? Take that moment. Make that click. Support us so we can get better internet. Mm-hmm. Better cameras, better audio. Hire somebody. Do the social. Get y'all some clips. You know what I'm saying? Hook y'all up. Back to the show. Hey, we back. We back. We back. We back. Uh, you were busy slandering me as a person, I believe. Yes, I slander, but it's 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 avenge slander for you slandering the wire. Uh, Breaking Bad is a great show, man. Beautifully acted, beautifully tight, clean, probably the cleanest show start to finish. No skips, if you will, in terms of episodes. Fantastic show. And I'm not really mad at you for for putting it as a contender up against The Wire. But I disagree. I think The Wire is better and more important from a social commentary perspective and from a writing perspective. It takes... I think it takes more to do that, even if there's more creativity in there. Yeah, there's more creativity in Breaking Bad, but there's more skill in The Wire, I think. Mm. Mm. I mean, look, when it comes to at least, let me say, replay, replay value on my end, right? How I, how I ingest The Wire is like a good scotch. I keep it in the I keep it in the cabinet. It's it's my favorite type of scotch, and I'll I'll pour I'll pour sips of that every every once in a while, and I enjoy it thoroughly. But what what I go back to my my regular regular weekend scotch that's Breaking Bad. I watch Breaking Bad maybe once twice a year, almost. But then again, I, I think the main difference where where the points of where the points of where the points of of, of quality divert, right, is that Breaking Bad has an incredibly compelling singular character story in the in the in the pro, in the, pro, the the unraveling of of Walter Wright or better yet the becoming of Walter Wright. Whereas in The Wire, you have a multitude of very dynamic characters. You have uh, you have uh, McNulty, like you we have said, you McNulty. have uh, what's Buck. You have the lieutenant. Yeah, man, you have um, uh, Avon and Stringer. You have a variety of characters that all get their own arcs. And not to say that the supporting characters, Jesse especially, to some extent, Hank, get their own arcs, right? But they're they're so much more meaningful and, and tied into the themes in The Wire. And what The Wire does a better job of is and part of why I think The Wire has to sit on that shelf a little bit more than Breaking Bad is because it's a little bit too clear, too transparent of a mirror, right? It's a little bit harder to watch because it just kind of puts in your face stuff that's still going on without a solution to it. Whereas mm. Breaking Bad, yep, this guy, this one man really messed up his life. But if you look at what's happening with projects, if you look at what's happening with policing, mm. If you look at what's happening in education, if you're looking at what's happening to the death of unions and or I shouldn't say the death of unions, but the struggles that unions have gone through, the transitions that they've gone through, ebbing and flowing in their relationships with organized crime, trying to support themselves. Mm -hmm. The Wire dedicates a season to each one of these issues and then ties them all together in the end with the media. And it's just such a it's it's Mm -hmm. 
they were thinking so much farther ahead and so much broader in scope when they made the wire than this beautiful explosion car crash of a man that Walter White is still a great entertaining watch. And I totally understand why it would be easier for you to pull it off the shelf, but it's almost the same way that Godfather two sits on the shelf for me, whereas I can watch Avengers infinity war over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I see that. That's actually a good point. Picking out the different issues that the wire uh, tackles on, right. Which would be uh, a great credit to the quality of that show. And I don't even think Stringer Bell and Avon Bogsdale get enough shine as characters, as, uh, they don't get enough shine as 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 uh, villains, if you will, right? Obviously, they get they they overshadowed by Michael K. Williams' character in in Omar, but still, the 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 character of of Stringer Bell is actually very very compelling. What is dope about Breaking Bad, I think, is the 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 it is the simple nature in how it is shot adds a lot of it it adds a lot of of uh, it's very inclusive in your your viewing experience of it. When you're watching Breaking Bad, you 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 feel as if you are in that room with Walter White or with Jesse and with the family, and you understand the dynamics of it. Even the character even Gustavo Fring as a villain is an incredibly compelling villain. So poised, so 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 detail orientated, so 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 meticulous in his in how maniacal he is, right? Which is a very different flip. Of a type of villain that we've seen in 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 a lot of other different shows. It's it's splitting hairs, you know. And I hate to be on the and I hate to be advocating because it really is very difficult to choose between one and two on that. And if you're okay with that, we can say one asterisk two out of the wire Breaking Bad. The more controversial one would be what we put as number three on that list. So I think a lot of people would jump to Sopranos to go to fill that number three spot. I'm I certainly wouldn't be mad at that. Uh, a few others that we can mention and see if you hear any contenders in there. Uh, Snowfall, Boardwalk mm-hmm. Empire, Power. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. What are we missing? Anything else? Anything else that's... That... Sopranos is the main one. People yeah. would kill us if we didn't include Sopranos. Um, so I think we have, we've definitely covered all of our bases. If there's anything that we've missed that people think that we should we should have uh, reviewed it, that, that we should have brought up instead, I'm definitely open to to hearing that. I'm definitely open to all sorts of uh, you know in, in, of input. I don't think Prison Break counts as a as a crime show, and also Prison Break does lose steam very quickly. Well, it it I commend them for staying true to the name. Because once they they ran a compelling show about a prison break, and then once they broke out of prison, they decided we could either expand the show beyond prison breaks and about this man's life afterwards, or we could keep giving them prison breaks. And by golly, yeah, <laughs> they gave us all the prison breaks, bro. We're talking, they, there was a point they were trying to break into the prison. I said, "What type of prison break is this?" <laughs> They definitely doubled down on the prison breaks. They said we don't we don't care how we get them back in prison, but we gonna give y'all another break out. We get we promise. No, nah, I don't think that I don't think that counts. But I wanted to bring up uh, I wanted to bring up so one I think we can't skip over. Uh, Michael K. Williams was in an episode of The Sopranos. I love The Sopranos, and I know a lot of people that have given it. One watch and didn't like it, and two watches and didn't like it, and have just kind of were just like I couldn't get into it. And I know people who have given it a third and fourth watch, and eventually kind of it clicked. It definitely took me one or two to be like, all right, I kind of I kind of get it. You have to be in the you have to be in the right frame of mind for The Sopranos. I think if you're feel like on a gangster movie run, if you're running through Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino, kind of going through the the De Niro, Pesci kind of films. It, it it fits into that vein, right? It's it it almost it it it's almost an extended. Each season is like an extended look at the characters that might be in one of those movies, and it's not a it's a slow burn, man. It's a, it's slow, a slow burner. Burn. That's what it is. It's a yeah. slow burn. It's a slow burn. So, but I, I I love it, and then so I would put that at three. But Snowfall is a close contender, man. Depending on how Snowfall closes out. Snowfall has had some moments, some scenes where 
it's it's really held up in terms of the cinematography, the acting, mm-hmm. the storyline, the way it gets into issues, represents groups that are familiar mm-hmm. and yet fictional. Yeah, I think uh, I think Snowfall is a, a good contender for for that three or four spot. And then what do we do? We throw a last one up there to make five. Narcos, Narcos, man. I think Oof. I think people. I think we have to consider Narcos. It nice. would be wrong for us not even put that in. And I'm glad that we caught that at the end. Definitely got to consider Narcos into into that list for sure. Both season one and season two. I think Narcos Mexico and Narcos uh, Narcos Pablo Escobar. Narcos, the, incredible. I think the Narcos Mexico is an is, is an even better version version of the first one but the story of Pablo Escobar is just so compelling man that that is that that's iconic great catch great catch off the backboard to yourself on that one man that was beautiful that is I have no yeah and those last three you could switch them and swap them around as much as you want to to me I, I think I think that those are those are all great so let us know what your favorite gangster film tv shows is if you hate gangster tv shows let us know what you watch instead that you really like you know what i'm saying whether it's action whether it's drama if it's got good cinematography if it's got a compelling story you guys are into that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. cool hey, hey man i think we done i think we done cooked up uh we done gave people a nice a nice batch of content on that we have a little bit of Wait. we have we have more one more recommending to y'all Power book three, Kanan. I don't know if they if they went and took the Space Jam ball to the Sopranos set and the Snowfall set and the, the Wire set, but they brought it back to Power book three, Raising Kanan. I know what y'all thinking. Power Miles, you tripping? I know. I would think so too. But Power book three, Raising Kanan is fire in that vein. Couldn't let you go. All right, current news. Take it away. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, man, we got some deep things to talk about. We are going to stay consistent in our support for Black women. We're going to be stay consistent in our support for um, Simone Biles as she goes through um, Simone Biles as she was testifying um, this week. What I'd like to do, if you don't mind, Brother Miles, is just give a, a quick read on, we're pulling this from CNN just so people can be up to speed. Uh, Olympic gymnast Ooh, Simone hold Biles. On, man. Hold on, man. Hold on, man. You're giving them everything, man. Hold on, man. You're giving them bars. Give us a quick read to get them up to speed. That's how we do current news, man. My boy, smooth. All right? And you know what else happens <laughs> when we get to reading. Yo, nigga, your brother told us how you be all into reading and shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Proceed. No cap, my glasses really are dirty. Um, but that being said, if we have to read this quickly, uh, what we're getting is Olympic gymnasts Simone Biles, Michaela Marini, and Ailey Raisman, and former college champion Mag- Maggie Nichols on Wednesday offered a devastating testimony, sometimes through tears, to Senate Judiciary Committee about how USA Gymnastics, their sports governing body, and the FBI, America's principal federal law enforcement agency, mishandled investigations into convicted sexual abuser Larry Nassar. The former USA Gymnastics team doctor was accused of violating more than 200 victims and is now serving a prison sentence of 40 to 175 years. The gymnast's words were gut-wrenching to hear, both because of the deep suffering they described and because it was clear throughout that these young women, these strong athletes, should never have to be there in the first place. They were in the public eye before the nation's highest legislature body we are counting a trauma full of world and they were doing it because at every turn the people that keeping them safe fail that's a shame and ooh, look at that look at Simone man I just uh, yeah. yeah I just I just feel for for all the all the women from the gymnastic team that that are in this situation I just want to center this conversation around them and their humanity, putting their feelings first. So, you know, I think the most important thing that we need to take away from this is that they weren't heard, right? They, it wasn't that they didn't speak up. It wasn't that, you know, they were struggling with the trauma, not that they weren't, but this isn't a case where they, they, they weren't able to bring it up when it was happening to them. 
They were saying this back in 2015, and for three years, it it went on on justice was not was not to be had. And I think what that speaks to is an environment where people ain't trying to hear that. And and that speaks to and if that environment if that's the case in USA gymnastics, if that's the case. Mm. In in so many of these spaces, Hollywood, if that's the case in, in the upper echelons of big business, then what we're finding out is that powerful people everywhere are taking advantage of others, right? But in particular, let's not mince words, powerful men are taking advantage of the women that they find in their company and in their care. I ain't with that. So we need to talk about why it is that not only even even when these women speak out, nobody hears them. And that's all this is. This is an opportunity for us as men to, again, recognize that the work of fixing this problem that women are facing isn't on women. It's on us to have the conversations that we need to have within our circles, amongst our peoples, amongst our brothers, amongst our homies, amongst the guys that we go out with and be at bars with. And and as we transition back to a world where a lot of that stuff is happening more, festivals, parties, outings, kickbacks. What are we what are we what are the standards that we're holding the company we keep to? Right? And even in a professional setting. Are we creating an environment that's safe for everybody that's in that setting, regardless of how they identify as far as gender, regardless of how they identify in terms of their sexual preference? Are we creating safe spaces? The answer is clearly no. And it's not look at USA Gymnastics and look at Hollywood and look at the upper echelons of buildings. Look at yourself. Because it's only a matter of time before your field or your company or you is 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 one of these headlines if you're not thinking about how you create safe spaces for people that are clearly saying they're not being heard and that they're being hurt that's me on mm. it i mean i mean you know miles you touch on a very good point right which is that this focuses again on the fact that um the 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 plight of women um and we don't have to even reserve it to just black women in this instance just women in general is is usually under it's usually women are usually unprotected there's always a systemic uh, there's always a systemic bias towards not towards not women not necessarily being prioritized in uh rape cases and in assault cases and in things of that nature i know for specifically here in south africa the the, the conversion or the not even the, the conviction rate of rape in this country is extremely, extremely low because of the system that fails to be able to protect women in that sense. You know, so it's extremely disgusting, bro. Like it, it really is a it really is a heart-wrenching thing to have to cover. It's a heart-wrenching thing to have to hear about because these are the absolute elites of athletes who are being who are being uh being assaulted by the hundreds, right? And if you watch the documentary on Larry Nasser, you see multiple times the different instances in where people were trying to speak out on him, be it family, be it whatever, and it just kept on falling on deaf, deaf ears, right? My question is, how complicit are the people that were also in that environment, right? If we're going to speak about, if we speak about FBI not doing anything, how complicit is the FBI then in perpetuating this assault? How do we hold it accountable? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And I'm glad you led us into that aspect of the story, right? So the Department of Justice is now investigating the FBI, who is a part of the group of authorities that failed to bring justice to the situation after being alerted of it as early as 2015. And exactly as you said, man, if this can happen to the greatest athletes in the world with the FBI on the case, it speaks to how deeply culturally backwards we are in terms of listening to William, women and prioritizing their safety, bro. This isn't just Joe Blow and the local FBI department, bro. FBI, or the local police department. This is the FBI with USA gymnasts. And if their voices can't be heard, then we know we know how many voices of women are going unheard the world over, man. So as my brother mentioned, bro, there's a documentary, Athlete A. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still there, but go and check that out. There's no reason 
not to educate yourself, not to, not to, you know, the only, the only thing I will say is that if, if you've experienced this, I have a partner that's experienced this. If you have some type of trauma related to sexual assault or abuse, I definitely got to issue this trigger warning. But other than that, I would absolutely say, man, go check out athlete. A. Uh, it's a great documentary. And I think a big part of the issue, this whole thing, man, a big part of all of this is that people aren't educated enough about these types of issues, man. Sexual education is stifled by a lot of things. And we won't get into all the what it what it means for parents to want to limit that and for the church to want to limit that, but we clearly have a lot of work to do when it comes to sexual education, particularly what it means, what consent means, what assault is, what rape is. And we need to start erasing some of the taboos about having conversations about what is rape, bro? What is assault? You know what I mean? What does it mean to what is it like what is consent? You know? What are the situations that might get be confusing in gray areas for people because pretending that it's all good until something happens and not listening to what we're hearing out there is is going to continue to result in us having to look at the entire spectrum of women successful to just the the regular regular person on the street are being victimized man and we got to do something we got to speak up about it we're going to keep we if y'all sick of hearing this from this podcast I don't give a mug I don't I don't care we're gonna keep we're gonna keep speaking on it. We're gonna keep talking about it. We're gonna keep making sure that as men, the least we can do is have serious conversations, bring this stuff to light, and live by example and live and work through this stuff in real time with y'all, man, about how to create safe spaces for everybody. You know, Bo, like as a as a single as a single man who is just out and about in this world engaging with women sexually um <laughs> I, love no, but like, for you. I love that for you no 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 but just to keep it up just to keep it 100 right is that my approach has always been consent and conversation but now introducing a, an even a, a higher level of communication right not just with not just with the consent, but also about the action. Like, how do we how do we communicate through this moment of intimacy so that at every point uh, we everybody feels comfortable, right? Or keeping that door open, keeping that door open for for comfort, right? Keeping that door open for conversation and for and for just like intimacy, right? And this is just something that, and, and the older I get, is is something that I value a lot more in those types of engagements. And obviously this is a little bit of a sidestep away from Larry Nasser, who is a serial, serial sexual deviant. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a little different from that, but if we're bringing it towards what I would assume not to be the masses of people who are doing what Larry Nasser is doing, it is about open communication and consent and comfortability and, and, Take, taking onus as a man in order to be able to facilitate that type of environment, even above and beyond. I'd rather annoy a shawty with how much I want to speak about consent than to just allow it to be something that becomes laissez-faire. And maybe if not even a situation that I'm necessarily creating, you know, people have traumas. People are coming through with different experiences. People are coming through with different baggages. And you, you just want to be able to keep as as open a a um, want to keep as as open a, a space for people to feel comfortable, man. And Word. it's fine. It's fine. It's working. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, man. These are uncomfortable conversations, and my the bottom line is we we not having them enough, and we can understand why we're not having them enough, but that means that don't mean we can't or don't have to apply the pressure. So talk about this type of stuff with your homies. Talk about this type of stuff with your significant other. Really, and 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 listen, yo. Listen, especially men out there. Listen, especially your female homies. And if you don't have any female homies, well, you need to take a th- take a look at why that might be. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And we're not accusing nobody. We're not putting no labels on anybody. But we are encouraging everybody to think about their situation. Think about the patterns. And if there's, if you don't have anything to heal. Look at the people around you, not with a suspicious eye, but as an opportunity to grow and learn about other experiences that you don't know. And along that way, if you discover red flags, try, we got to find help for people, man. You know, I know a lot of dudes that have that I've that I've known throughout my life that could that had weird tendencies, 
but could be helped if somebody says mm. stop that, bro, or if somebody let them know that that's not cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. We learn from each other. You, it's all there's peer pressure and mixed messages from media all wrapped up in this, and it's only going to get mm. better through conversation. It's only going to be get better through calling spades, spades, and it's only going to get better through being uncomfortable. So, mm. so, so welcome that. We welcome you to that. And if it gets real deep and you need somewhere to talk about it or express your feelings or leave a comment or just like something that somebody else said or subscribe to a couple of brothers that are trying to have some conversations where it gets deep and hard and difficult, but still with love and gratitude and peace. You already know what to do, man. Hit the button, little alarm bell, like it, comment, subscribe. Join us on this journey. Join us on this journey. Yo, listen, man. We are now about to get into a particular part of the show that has quickly become a fan favorite. Um, Miles, why is this particular part of the show a fan favorite? This part of the show. And for those of y'all that are only on audio, I'm hitting the cabbage patch right now. This He's is hitting the cabbage patch, ladies and gentlemen. He's hitting the cabbage patch. This is recommended in review. And we love recommended in review. Because we get to interact with you. We review what you recommend. We recommend what we think is cool. And this week, we're getting into two other albums that came out that we had thought was going to be fire. Baby Keem, The Melodic Blue, and Mazi. I forgot what that one's called off the top of my head. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to have to look it untreated, up. Untreated Trauma. Untreated Trauma by Mazi. Where do you want to start? We're going to start with Mazi. I 100% I want to start with Mozzie, bro. I 100% I want to start with Mozzie. There's nowhere else where I'd want to start. Funny enough, I've been listening to a bunch of my... Yo, listen, if you like gangster rap, I'm going to speak right to the camera, Miles. I ain't looking at you right now. I'm looking at people. If you like gangster rap... Well... And you like that raw... I yeah, mean, hip-hop. <laughs> you like that raw hip-hop. <laughs> hip-hop? I thought you were going to follow up with hip-hop. <laughs> I'm getting my Mozzie ad-libs ready. It's got to be hip, hip hockey. Hip hockey, hella hockey. Um, bro, Mozzie is so dope. I've been listening to Internal Affairs by Mozzie. Uh, running that back. That stays in rotation for me. I love that album. Mozzie is so particular. He's so unique in his delivery and how his authenticity and his storytelling, bro. I think that's something that shines through with Mozzie. Mozzie's an incredible, incredible storyteller. I remember when we first, both of us listened to Sleepwalking off of that, uh, off of that uh, internal affair. It was before internal affairs, actually. Sleepwalking, that, dude, it is, it is, it, it is so artistic in, in its approach, man. And I think when, when people talk about the, where we are, with gangster rap and how gangster rap gets pushed forward, you have to include Mozzie in there, bro. This stuff is so poetic. So going into Untreated Trauma, I was super excited. I was very, very excited for Untreated Trauma. Man, listen. From Fake Famous to One Up Top Ock to Beyond Bulletproofly to Internal Affairs, man, there's always been... Even the, even the collab with Sue Surf... I've always, I've never been disappointed by Mozzie's ability to, as you said, creatively deliver the gangster rap music that, that not only like, it just captures this feeling, man. And it don't got to be too complicated. It don't got to be too complex. It just, just when, when, when Mozzie talks about being fed up, you feel that. When Mozzie talks about, you know, feeling betrayed, you feel that. There's something about, a man who speaks about sticking to a code that you that you hear the consistency of that character in the album and and that almost attaches me to to who to him and who he is you know whatever the there's an it factor of celebrity and there's an it factor of this man is a leader and he's got that it factor of leader you know what i mean it don't have to be glitzy or shiny it can be grimy and i'm gonna still want to be slimy with my you dig me yeah this one of my lesser, lesser, leaster favorites as a whole project. Interesting. The first track, straight to the fourth, I really liked it. I, I thought we were gonna get a more introspective version of internal affairs. And 
while I felt like in some ways we got that, in some ways we got uh, Mozzie's bossing up kind of kind of one level above, it seems. Like his perspective is one level above the street perspective that he gave us. And there's been a progression of that. Mm. I think it was the production for me, man. Mozzie doesn't really slip on on verses it's and the content is the same i think as it's always been but i think he was trying to if not put out a grander message put out a more elaborate sound and i think the production held this back a little bit the way he was rapping i would have liked to hear him try and if he was going to do this project the way that gangster music is thriving i would have loved to hear some alchemist production on this i would have loved to hear some harry fraud production on this you know what i mean ninth wonder maybe it seemed like he was rapping over too many of the same beats for the growth that he was trying to allude to in his bars and i think that held this project back for me throughout the slower tempo the it just it just it just not that it was bad but it just didn't work for me it's the first time i've been a little bit let down by a mozzie project but i'm not saying it's bad what did you think that's crazy that's crazy that you'd say that i did not expect that from you at all bro especially because i i really enjoyed this album i, I really really enjoyed this album bro like um, straight through from straight to the fifth beat the case tycoon what i'm seeing is is a consistency in i'm, I'm seeing a consistency in mozzie's uh, attention to to like Mozzie's fly because he's vulnerable and he's fly because he's open and I see I can see what you're saying about the about the the instrumentation but from a but from a a, a sound a sonic perspective from a content perspective Mozzie's one of those few people when I'm listening to usually at the gym um, I, 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 I find myself listening a lot more to what he's saying I find myself really uh, wanting to digest. Uh, really want to digest what it is that he's uh, what, what he's saying. The the track with Tycoon, I think, is stupid. I think Rebox is nuts. I think this Rebox, I think Rebox is just a dumb, dumb, dumb track. Slimy's a dumb track. Um, it might be it might be a situational listen depending on where you when you where you're hearing it from. But from the last few albums coming off of Community Service, coming off of um, uh, bumped into yeah, coming off of Community Service with uh, YG. To follow up with this, I enjoyed this significantly more, man. I really like this album. I think it's solid, solid Mozzie. Content is on point. Uh, he was saying, uh, I've been sipping, sipping on these hoes has been what's been helping me lately. And hey, man, listen, I feel that. I feel that. But Mozzie's, this is, for me, a good addition into his body of work as a writer. A great addition. Yeah, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. It's a great addition to his body of work as a writer. And I think over different production, I might have liked this more. But I'm really glad that I'm really glad that you like it. That's actually really relieving to me, because as somebody who's such a huge fan of Mozzie, I was bound to come across a project that I didn't love as much as everybody else. But it's one thing if, you know, it's it's universally like, oh, this isn't trash. We don't like this new direction. Or if it's like, yo, I really respect your music opinion. So if you like it, I'm glad that you know it. It is, it it might be just a another step forward that isn't for me. I like Straight to the Fourth. Beat the case. Wasn't a big fan of Tycoon. Loved Rebox, and that was about it for me. Again and again was decent, but all the other tracks, I felt like I have I've heard better versions of them, especially on Beyond Bulletproofly and One Up Top Ock. So, and Gangland Landlord too. I felt like a lot of this felt like Gangland Landlord Part Two a little bit to me. Mm. Um, kind of like a B sides or B sides the slower version. But yeah, I'm 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 glad that I'm glad that you're showing love for it. Uh, ESTG is a problem, 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 problem. And I just want to hear Mozzie over. I want to hear Mozzie branch out in terms of his features, though. I want to hear Mozzie with. A Conway the Machine. I want to hear Mozzie with uh, a Rick Hyde. I want to hear Mozzie with mm-hmm. some of those some of those other artists that are uh, you know that are pushing what gangster rap can be in in different ways. So yeah, but definitely, man. definitely. If I have to put a sticker on it, man, I have to I have to say three point five. 
out of five, I really, I think it, I enjoyed 50, 60% of this, of this album. It's a short 10, 10 pieces. So that's a high enough percentage for me. I dig it. Three point five. Yeah. It's a three for me. It's a three for me, dog. I would put this just under that. Uh, yeah. I think I gave the ESTG and the 42 Doug 3.5s. I'm going to give this a, a nice little, nice little three. But I'm happy to return to it, bump it in the whip, bump it on different speakers, take the songs I like and put it on playlists, and maybe it'll maybe it'll grow on me. Definitely, definitely. And if we have to speak more about some of the other things that we have to review, Mr. Miles Xavier, I don't know how those uh, how Baby Keem's album sat with you. Um, it dropped a few weeks. It dropped, uh, I think, two weeks ago uh, specifically. But Baby Keem's uh, melodic blue. I'll start by saying I was excited for this. I'll I'll start by saying that Baby Keem has put a lot of freestyles, Lucy's. He's given me a lot of reasons to and to be anticipating this album. Uh, and I again was a little disappointed, man. Um, yep. This was. And 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 again, I'm I'm not saying it was bad, but I want to hear your thoughts, of course. But going through it, it sounded like Baby Keem is younger than I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like on the features I've heard him on, on the Lucy's I've heard before, and maybe I just haven't been deep enough into his catalog. But I felt like the content was a little bit more mature. And the even the palette of the song was appealing to a older audience. Going through this album, this sounded like I was back in 2019 going through SoundCloud of somebody that, you know, was related to some producer that I thought was dope. This was a very this was this seemed like this was had, was pushing for a much younger audience. I don't know. I don't really know how else to put it. The beats yeah. were very animated. His rapping content was very, um, I don't want to say immature, but it was very light. It was very shallow. Yeah. And it just wasn't what I was expecting, man. I can get down with some shallow shit now. Don't get it twisted. I can I can I can ride to something that just slaps and just has a you know a, a repetitive hook but I was I think I was one not expecting it and two I w- I just felt a little old listening to this album in a way that not a lot of other music has made me feel old. What do you think? I mean look bro you are one so it makes sense right you you are old um but with the baby king with the baby team, I was saying very much the same, and I, I like how you, I like how you encapsulated that. I, I, I definitely wasn't a big fan of the the, the album first listen. It definitely did sound a, a little bit. Um, I, I was hoping for the the proximity with Kendrick to sh- to show itself in the maturity of the content, but then again, when you listen to Baby Keem. I mean, if we take it back to to Hooligans, you know, I think Hooligans was an incredible track that he dropped. Um, even Family Ties, Family Ties was super dope. I was expecting that type of content to to permeate itself throughout the rest of the album, and I didn't necessarily see that. I was excited for a song called South Africa, and it didn't even slap like that. You know, I think what we're looking at is, like you said, a very young artist who is standing next to a very great artist, and there's going to be some sort of adjustment process that goes in this artist living up to his potential and the potential of the constituencies around him. I see him having a good, uh, uh, interesting rub and impact on Kendrick with how Kendrick is approaching and how Kendrick approached the family ties stuff. And even the range brothers, I wasn't a fan of that range brothers either, man. I I, I really didn't like that song. I I was hoping, I, I hope more for Kendrick, but it could be a situation where, it's music that is better enjoyed, maybe very in a very specific place in California, in a Range Rover, at a whatever. You know, maybe we're just not in the right setting for it. But I would. What would be dope? For, you know, what would be dope for Baby Keem is to continue to find himself on 
sounds that are outside of the sound that he's pushing through, right? Uh, when he was on the Donda track, I really liked his verse on Donda. Um, he, I really liked his verse on... I've liked his verse everywhere that he's that he's shown up, right? I, I don't think he's on. He's featured on um, Certified Lover Boy, is he? I don't think so. Uh, but shout out to Jay Z and Lil Durk for being two of the artists that are on both of those albums. That's that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, to your to your point, this was, and I want to go back to something you said as well about Kendrick's style when he's with Baby Keem and even. Like kind of outside of that, I'm thinking of tracks like King's Dead. I'm thinking of everything he did kind of after Damn. When it was up tempo, it kind of sounded like Baby Keen. You know, it kind of yeah. sounded like this high pitched, uh, very like braggadocious, but but animated. Yeah, and, and just but the the quality of the vo- the vocals like the voice that he's creating is very similar and i was i wasn't a fan you know what i mean i was happy that they were hits for kendrick as somebody i support but that not that king's dead is a bad song but something about that flow just felt like that was kendrick's new up tempo and i'm i'm just mm. ugh. and 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 it's all over range brothers it's all over family ties in some places, I think it works into family ties. I think I think that verse is very well written, especially the when he goes away from that flow. Uh, mm-hmm. My mental been amazing, brother. Pop off only on occasion, brother. Like the more he moves away from that, the more I, the more I like it. And so maybe it's just that flow. But the one, but the mm-hmm. good thing about that is that this is a young artist. This is his first real, real label debut. And so, in terms of maturity, you would only expect it to go up. You would only expect him to get more uh, thoughtful and and then introspective. And we'll see what the response is to this album, man. I'm no like as as like I said, I felt old listening to this. So if the consensus is this is fire, you're just old. Be, like bet, bet. Then we're just old. Then then it yeah. is what it is. I'll take this as a I'll take this as a landmark and we'll continue to, you know, take that into account as we as we review stuff. But this just this wasn't it for me, man. If I had to pick out tracks that I like, I can't say that I can't say that I didn't I, w- I won't go back to Family Ties. I like that. Um, as I look at it, I'm kind of like it's hard for me to even remember which ones I like. I think I like Durag Activity or I might just yeah. like the name of that song. Uh that's your activity is nice, dude. Yeah, maybe it's that one. There's a there's a couple of joints on there. I and I feel like it's one of those projects where everybody's gonna might take one or two that and they might be a different one or two, but I'm gonna give this a solid two for me. It's a two for me, dog. It's a two from the boys, is what it seems like. It's also a two out of five for me, man. Um I still I, but this doesn't take away my my uh appreciation of baby keem this doesn't take away my excitement for the type of art that he can and will create later you know i think uh, more will be revealed once kendrick drops his album and that might be a case where these are you know who knows how how that creative process works but i definitely think that two out of five two out of five for now not that big a fan of it but i'm still looking forward to baby keem's work if you did like this, I would suggest you check out Kenny Mason. I would say that yes. Kenny Mason is the artist that is he's in a more his last album was a lot more rock inspired, but if you're mm. if if you liked the bars on this, if you liked the way that the songs were put together and the attitude of the artist, dive into some Kenny Mason. I would I think you would Definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought exactly that when listening to this album, which is like, damn uh Kenny Mason really is a better version of Baby Keen, you know, he, with with more uh more more poignant and, and focused intentions with the with with the with the music. The the subject matter is slightly similar. Young niggas in the hood, uh on some gang shit, but like Kenny Mason delivers it very, very well. So good suggestion. Yeah, definitely. If you dig this, check out Kenny Mason. You love that. Yeah. And some older JID, who by the way not yet, but there might be a conversation to be had about Mr. JID. I'm, 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 I'm anticipating uh, more will be revealed. Yeah, more will be revealed. But I think, I think if you if you dug this, listen to uh, 
the Never Story and and DiCaprio by JID. Those are some same lane type vibes. Man, what a good pickup with that JID Never Story again. That an incredible, incredible first showing from from JID. Matter of fact, I'm gonna download that album, re-listen to it now. I really, really enjoyed that that piece of work. Yeah, yeah there might be a conversation about about JID. You know, he he was uh, he was uh, he was a uh, Sold to us as the the next king of the of the youth, right? So I'm gonna I'm, I'd love to see what he brings up. But that never story JID to me is um, yeah stands out. It's a standout yeah. piece of work. It is. It is. You know what else is a standout piece of work? We are a standout piece of work, man. We Damn right. Those carefully curating the content for the craniums, man. I think we've cared for and nurtured the noggins today, man. What you think? Hey, listen, man, we do this thing on a regular. We're going to be taking the show live very, very soon. So we're going to be streaming live off of YouTube. You know, we're going to be doing engaging in different uh, in different spaces, Reddit, um, on Twitch, trying out different things, trying to grow the show. We've heard you guys tell us that we don't market it enough. And we're listening. We're applying. We'll adjust and we'll grow all together, man. Thank you all for supporting us. We love you. We'll leave that. Yes, sir. Man, listen, thank you all for rocking with us through all of the changes, man. Yo, we appreciate you, SoundCloud audience. We appreciate you, YouTube audience, man. This is episode 48. We're going to hook y'all up with episode 49, man, in all the same places at all the same times. And then mm-hmm. we'll let you know then we're going to do something a little different for episode 50. It's going to be live, man. We'll keep y'all posted with the announcements. We know we got to get that information to y'all because we know. Yep. We know. We know it's too many podcasts, man. You had to scroll past a bunch of them just to get here. And we appreciate every single one of those minimal dumb movements until you clicked on us, man. This is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of life. This is a celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good this way? Yo, man, I woke up today and I was like, thank God. Yep. Feels good. Feels great. And we hope that it feels great and good to be you. Whether you're going through it, whether you're on top of the world, you have a community here with us. Like, comment, subscribe, eat something delicious, hug somebody you love. Peace, water, like that, we gone.